I had to break up with that part of myself that was abusing me and that voice in my head that was telling me how terrible I was. I became angry with that person. And I said, you're not going to control me anymore. Hmm. And I'm out of here. I'm leaving you. I'm packing up my bags and we're getting out of Dodge. (laughs) After that, there was no looking back. There was, there was no place to go back to. That is a clip from this interview with Jessica Green of the Mad Ones podcast. And in this interview, Jessica is going to tell us a story about how she suddenly came to the realization that her health wasn't what it used to be and maybe she needed to change her diet and her exercise. And along with it, as often happens during a positive transformation, we start to notice that a whole bunch of other aspects of our life could use revamping and remodeling how she can remove or let toxic friendships leave the let them go so she doesn't have to continue with them and how she could improve her mindset and boost herself up by beginning the day with some positive habits so that's what this episode is about you can check out the podcast with jessica and her co-host cam harless the website is we are the mad ones Com. So you can check that out as she, she mentions at the end there. It's on a few different platforms. It's on YouTube and Rockfin and Odyssey. Uh, I just listened to it on Spotify, so that's an option too. So check that out. If you find yourself at one of these transitional periods in your life, just as Jessica did, And you might need a little bit of coaching, some external ears and eyes to observe your situation or to to hear your words, hear about what you're going through. So somebody can give you a little bit of advice or challenge you a little bit on your assumptions about your situation, things that might be holding you back that you hadn't realized, and that's what my services are for. So if you need somebody to (laughs) provide some coaching and some accountability and help brainstorm some solutions so you can move forward in your life, then check out beautifulpodcast.com, and at the top, it says CBT Sessions. You can book a session with me. Now to the interview. I'm here with Jessica Green, co-host of the Mad Ones podcast, where you explore these. Well, how would you describe the podcast, Jessica? Well, someone on Twitter once referred to us as an absurdist comedy duo, and we love that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And you do, uh, you explore like libertarian themes, but also just unusual themes, yeah, anybody who kind of goes outside of the norm or the mold is our yeah. target. Um, we, we're we interviewing a mortician next month. Um, oh. So I'm really interested in that because that's not a topic that people are typically comfortable to explore. So just anyone who kind of falls outside the norm, we want to talk to them. Yeah, awesome. So 
you go live on Wednesday at, at 10 p.m. Eastern times, so if anybody wants to check that out. So mm-hmm. Jessica is going to tell us a story about personal transformation, about her own health and becoming more conscious of various aspects of her life. So where does the, well, the story begins when you were having a barbecue a couple of years ago. What, what's the, what's the story? What's the scene? Right, right. So um, a friend of mine had gotten married um, and she was out of state. So when she came here back to Georgia, she wanted to have like a party for friends and family. And I agreed to cater that event. Um, I was in food service as my career. And that was something I thought I could contribute was to cater this very large party. And um, my physical health at that point was pretty much at its lowest point in my life. I was um, obese for I, I'm only four feet, 11 inches tall, and okay. I weighed nearly 200 pounds. So I was extremely obese, oh. unhealthy. And about midway through this party, I hit a wall where my energy just crashed on me and things that I was normally able to do, I just was finding very difficult. And I thought, oh my gosh, I really have to get on top of my health or I can't take care of my friends, which is something that's very important to me. So I kind of like made a decision, okay, you're going to lose this weight and you're going to get healthier. And there was a lot of trial and error. It probably took a good two or more years for me to get on top. And this was in 2018. So, oh, it's Hmm. been well over two years since then. (laughs) (laughs) It took about two years for me to really like get my feet on the ground with that and actually start making meaningful progress. At that time, what what was your your life like? Where you, uh, I, I imagine you're maybe working in a uh, like an office job or some, something a bit sedentary. So I I was a waitress for a very long time. I did um, food service, catering events, fine dining, all kinds of things. And once I got married, we moved out to the country, and I was a basically a housewife after that. And so my mm. activity level dropped significantly. And with the drop in activity activity level, I started to put on weight. And it wasn't until I tried to do, you know, to have a host a party that I realized how much my body had been affected by the weight that I put on. Hmm. And it it was how long had you been a housewife at that point? Um, I got married in 2012, and then um, this event, the the barbecue that we're talking about, it happened in 2018. So there was a good, I don't know, six years. I, I didn't put on this weight overnight. <laughs> it mm, definitely, yeah. it crept up on me. And then one day, you know, I was looking at the pictures from that barbecue and I was like, well, no wonder I felt so terrible. Like mm. you can visibly see that I'm much, much heavier than I had ever been. And mm. that was a, a huge catalyst. I said, okay, no more of this because, you know, the older we get, the harder it gets. So it really lit a fire underneath me. And I started to get serious about taking care of my body at that point. Yes. Well, I I imagine this happens to a lot of people when they, uh, with certain career changes, it'll be like they don't realize how how active their former life is. And and, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, they're not not moving around as much or rushing around as much. And uh, yeah, the, the body responds. Yeah, it. It happened slowly, so I wasn't as noticeable of it until, you know, I, I was able to see the pictures, basically. Like, the pictures were a really big catalyst for me because it didn't look like me. I, I barely recognized myself. And mm. I, that 
that was a major, I mean, it sounds like vanity, but at the same time, <laughs> when you see someone that you don't recognize and that's you, you know, sometimes it's time to make a change. <laughs> All right. So if you could describe your attitude about health dur during those six years, like, did, did you think about it at all consciously or is just like, well, I assume I'll be fine. I assume I'm well. Right. There was a factor that it, there was a culture coming up around me about not, how do I describe this? Fat phobia is a word. <laughs> mm, yeah. If, if, if you are a fat person and you're in the fat positive mindset, you want to believe that I'm healthy at any weight, my body is fine, anybody who is critical of my appearance or my weight is just uh, fat phobic. And, mm. um, you know, they, they don't really care about my mental health, they just care about how I look. And I had convinced myself in a lot of ways that, you know, even not that my doctors had said anything to me. Because unfortunately, doctors will now not say anything to their patients about their weight because hmm. of this attitude. And so I was able to sort of dismiss other people who had talked to me, like family member, especially who had talked to me about my weight. I was really angry with her about it. And I was like, you're just fat phobic. You know, you're skinny. You think everybody should be skinny. And I had a really negative attitude about a person who was genuinely reaching out because they were concerned about me. And mm. so I've since, you know, made amends and apologized to that person. But um, there was a, a negative attitude in that culture that allowed me to continue my destructive health. Yeah. Well, I know to people in that subculture, they, they say things like, oh, you're just concerned trolling. And I think that's kind of true. Sometimes people do that kind of thing. They pretend to care about you in order to taunt you about your appearance or something like that. But there's also people who, who actually do care about you, who, who want you to be, you know, healthy and energetic and full of life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So in, in, uh, 2018, you, you have this barbecue and you realize how low your energy levels are. And mm -hmm. you you start to get that feeling like that inspiration or motivation or what is that feeling like? At first, it was um, depression. I got extremely depressed and low about it. And mm. I, I felt awful about myself. And I said, how could I have let it got this bad? And then after that came sort of a fire, a, a mm. determination of, well, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till the fat lady sings and I can't sing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I had to learn a lot because part of the reason that my health was able to have such a decline is because I was not educated about nutrition. And even though I wasn't overeating, even though, you know, as far as I knew, the, the foods I was eating were somewhat healthy. My, my health was still declining. So it took me a while to figure out what was actually going on. Mm. And um, going back a bit to, to yeah. talk about that, um, that transition from depression mm -hmm. to this motivating fire. How, mm -hmm. how do you get from one to the other? Because that is a very difficult bridge. It is. Uh, Self-loathing is as destructive as carrying around a bunch of extra weight or smoking or any other terrible thing, because mm. it puts you in a low place where you don't think you can do anything about your, your trouble. 
And it's, I had to get tired of it. I had to almost get annoyed with myself Hmm. to the point where I was like, you know, okay, you know, yeah, you've gotten here, but what are you going to do about it? Hmm. And once I started thinking about what I was going to do about it, instead of um, feeling sorry for myself was when I was really able to like access that determination and that fire within me. And once I lit that, there was no going back. It was an all consuming fire. Hmm. So this is like, uh, I'm imagining it's, it's something like drawing a personal boundary with yourself where you say enough, I will not tolerate this or, or how would you describe it? Yeah. Uh, That is almost perfect. And in fact, I've, I've said those exact words to myself. Like I remember crying and actually like physical tears coming out of my eyes and looking at myself in the mirror while I was doing it and being just like, ugh you know, this is not a useful behavior. This doesn't help your situation to just continue feeling sorry for yourself. Hmm. And, you know, it's it's cyclical. Like you don't feel good about yourself. So you'll sometimes you'll eat or you'll, Mm -hmm. you know, do other destructive behaviors to make yourself feel better. And then that worsens your health situation. And then it's just, it builds on itself and it's a cycle. And I had actually gotten a little worse before I got better. I, when I I weighed myself that day in 2018, that day of the barbecue, I weighed myself that night and I was around 175, which is a lot for a person who's only four and a half feet tall. Mm. Um, And then before I was able to actually start doing something, I had gained almost 10 more pounds. Mm. So it didn't, it didn't go from, I realized there's a problem to now I'm fixing the problem. I actually got a little worse before I got better. Hmm. Okay. And what, what is it like? Uh, hmm. I'm trying to Im- imagine how the, that emotional transition happens. Like you, uh, so you notice the problem, then you you start to feel worse about it again, a bit depressed about it. And mm-hmm. then in, in some moment you do, you make that decision with yourself and say no more. Mm-hmm. And is it kind of instant, instantly you switch from depression to, to that fire or is there something more to it? I got angry. Like, okay. so it's like stages, they talk about stages of grief. And uh, so you right. have to go through like denial. Um, I don't, I don't know all of them offhand, but I know that denial, yeah. anger, and acceptance are big parts of it. Mm-hmm. So like I got angry, I had anger and denial sort of mixing with each other for a while. And then, you know, the anger at myself I, I, I just couldn't tolerate feeling that badly anymore, even to the point where I was like, you know, you're beating yourself up about this. You're only making it worse. So, mm. yeah, it it was almost a bolt of lightning. It was like mm. one day I just got up and I was like, I am tired of feeling this way. I'm not going to do it anymore. And like um, almost the way I imagine someone might break up with an abusive spouse. Right. I had to break up with that part of myself that was abusing me. And that voice in my head that was telling me how terrible I was, I became angry with that person. And I said, you're not going to control me anymore. Hmm. And I'm out of here. I'm leaving you. I'm packing up my bags and we're getting out of Dodge. (laughs) After that, there was no looking back. There was was no place to go back to because, yeah, I fired that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, uh, yeah, this is like a, a... you know, a, a snap 
shift in identity or so i think some people call it like a quantum shift in identity or something like that so it, one day it was like i'm i'm terrible or maybe even mm-hmm. i'm a bad person yes. and then the the next day it's like i am what 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 were you <laughs> i don't know um that beginning stage was very nebulous it's it's yes. hard to go back and remember um, exactly like my emotional feelings or my exact thoughts in that time, yep. because I do feel like I'm a different person now. So it's like yeah, looking, yeah. looking back at someone else's life in a way and yes. trying to like sort out what she was feeling and what she was doing. But I do remember that moment. And I, I, I can't say exactly how long after the barbecue it was, but it was maybe even a couple of months after hmm. the barbecue enough time for me to gain almost 10 more pounds. And I just, it was like, like I said, like lightning had, had lit me on fire. And I, mm. I just moved forward from that position with scorched, nothing but scorched earth behind me. Wow. And a lot of people um, looked at that as extreme because all of a sudden, you know, I went, I went full on keto. I mm. started working out every day. Um, I got maybe even a little cultish about <laughs> working out and health, but um, yeah. I needed to do that at that point. I was, you know, going through almost like a religious conversion in a way um, mm. from someone who didn't care about their body to someone who cared a great deal about their body. Um, mm. I've since mellowed out since then. I don't, you know, I don't judge or look down on other people, maybe like I did in those first few weeks, but mm. I um, I needed to bounce from one extreme to the other. And then right. it it took, like I said, maybe two years for me to like really settle into a a healthy place with it. So I don't know that like a, a bolt of lightning and scorched earth will work for everyone. I just know with the kind of person that I am, I need, I needed to do that. I needed to get super extreme about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I imagine that ar- around that point, you, you perhaps you let go of some things of your old identity and mm-hmm. you, like you said, it was nebulous. So, so maybe you, you, didn't fully have a, a new identity. You didn't know exactly who you were, but there right. was a, a lot of space, like this potential to be something new. Yes. And that came at the same time as a lot of other things. I I had a lot of other things that were making me miserable and making me depressed. And I had to sort of break up with all of that types mm. of behavior. Um, smoking cigarettes was a big factor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that had to go. Like all of the things that were sort of what I considered my enemies or the enemies of my health had to just be extinguished. That included, uh, you know, toxic friends that included, Uh you know, uh, behaviors, um, just, you know, things that I would do that would lead me to depression or would lead me to wanting to fall off, you know, because you, you fall off the wagon sometimes when it comes, especially with working out. And if if you've never done it before, it gets really hard to like build yourself into a routine, so that's why I had to be like extremely strict with myself in the very beginning. And now a few years out from that, I'm able to like relax a little bit. Um, but if you need to do that, if you need to like go fully extreme with it, don't destroy your relationships over it, but do what you need to do to get healthy because you're absolutely worth it. And that's just sort of what I would tell people about um, feeling like, Oh, I have to completely remake my life and all of these things. And it's really daunting. Um, What comes out on the other side is completely worth it. So 
you Mm. know, steel is forged in a fire. Hmm. It's not, you know, it's not made with hugs and kisses. It's, it's made with fire. So, Hmm. you know, sometimes you gotta go through the burn. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. About the, you you mentioned about letting go of those habits that lead to depression. You're talking about mental habits as as well as physical routines and things like that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So So what, what are those? Yeah. One thing um, would be my attachment to my phone. Um, I uh, would wake I would wake up in the morning and the very first thing I would do is check social media. Hmm. And I would possibly lay in bed for up to an hour scrolling through my social media, becoming emotionally and physically upset by the things that I would read, getting into arguments with people that I didn't know and would never meet again. Mm-hmm. And then it would just put my entire day into this like funk where you know, I wasn't going to make good decisions for myself because my brain was so polluted with negative thinking. Mm. And, you know, like, of course, there's a lot of terrible things in the world and I'm not telling anyone to ignore them necessarily, but don't make that the thing that you start your day out with because it can affect the track of the rest of your behavior for the rest of your day. When Mm. you're coming up in the morning, you are setting the tone for what your day is going to be like. So if you can make that full of positive things, it be it prayer, positive affirmation, um, just looking at art and listening to music as mm-hmm. opposed to looking at social media. And that was a, a tactic or a tool that I st- used, especially early on when I was trying to avoid the social media. I still had that urge to pick up, in my, pick up my phone and look at my phone. Yeah. So I would scroll through art and I would listen to music instead and just make that first hour of the day something positive and it can change the whole track of your behavior for the rest of your, you know, 16 hours that you're awake. Yeah. Okay. Where do you scroll through art? Is there like an art only Instagram or something? So my Instagram, I follow exclusively artists. I have Uh no politic or any other kind of fitness. I don't even do fitness on Instagram because that can mm. lead sometimes lead to negative emotions. Um, so like I, I, right. It, oh my gosh. Comparison is the death of joy. And <laughs> right. If, but so I have made my Instagram specifically a space for art only. And I've even had to tell some of my friends like, look, I love you, but the reason I'm not following you on Instagram is because that is an art only space. And that's been wonderful. Like I still, to this day, I'll wake up and I'll hit Instagram, scroll through it until I feel good. And then, you know, I'm ready for my day. Music too. What what kind of music do you listen to? So um, it'll vary for me. I know that um, a lot of people have a genre that they're, this is my genre. This is what I listen to. I definitely recommend going outside of that. And like, Um, things like Spotify, for example, they have algorithms that can kind of like pick out music that they think you will like. And those programs are really good. And so I've oriented that to show me things that are like beautiful, like beauty is so important. And if you Mm -hmm. can fill your eyes and fill your ears with beauty, especially the first thing in the morning, it just changes your entire mindset. Hmm. Um, And I just, um, so I like folk music. I like classical music. I know that's not everybody's jam, but even just like a few minutes a day of classical music does affect your brain. Um, Hmm. I I recommend Mozart. (laughs) Personally, Mozart has been like a rock for me 
because there's something in that music that is just good. I, I don't even know how to describe it. it. Comes from God on some level. It's just, mm. yeah, it's it's beautiful, and it can it can change your mind. It can change the the orientation of your day. Yeah, totally. Yeah, about about the about letting go of your toxic friends. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I imagine this. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had to do that so actively, but I imagine this like a right way and a wrong way. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. I've and I've done both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is a what what are the pitfalls and what's the right way to do it? So one thing that I at first started doing is just sort of ghosting people. Hmm. Um not everybody that I ghosted was toxic and a lot of times I was the toxic one. Uh-huh. Um that was a really important thing for me to realize is that, you know, sometimes I'm toxic. I'm the toxic person. And, you know, when you orient yourself to being more positive toward yourself, you you won't tolerate that behavior from other people. You won't tolerate people treating you badly either. And so um, I I think that a lot of times people will fall by the wayside all on their own. And you won't necessarily have to do anything. You won't have to have some big breakup. It's just that people who wanted to be around you while you were doing your unhealthy behaviors, they're not going to want to be around you anymore. And that situation will sort of resolve itself. Um, what I don't recommend doing is having any big um, knockdown drag outs or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> telling people off. None of that is is healthy. It might feel good in the moment, but mm. you're, you might later on think about your behavior and regret it. So, mm. you know, just everybody's struggling, even even the toxic people, even the people you need to avoid for your health, they're struggling too. They're humans too. And they need love too. So even if you have Mm. to break up with them, don't don't do it hatefully. Because you know, they they need kind if they're toxic, if they have toxicities, they need kindness too. And they need love too. So in in Mm. everything that you do, try to show love. Mm. Yeah. So, so a lot of the time, you you don't necessarily need to say to them like, "Hey, you know, I'd rather not talk to you for for a few months." Sometimes they just, you know, you just won't talk to them, and that and that, you know, you just pa- passively sort of slip away from it. Yeah, I mean, you can you can pull back, and it doesn't require you know some big announcement. You don't have to say I'm I'm blocking you or anything like that. You just yeah. you're going to be focused on other things and you're not going to have as much time for that. And when people aren't getting the energy they were getting from you before, they'll go seek it from other places. And so mm-hmm. I have found that those situations do kind of resolve themselves. And mm-hmm. you know, you can be you can you can still maintain that connection um without having to necessarily be supporting each other's toxicity. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about a, a situation which, which did occur many years ago and I, I was kind of uh, too abrupt about it, but <laughs> see, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. I've, I've had that too. And you know, you can't beat yourself up about it, but what you do is you realize, Hey, in the future, that's not, what I'm going to do. That's not how I want to proceed. So in a way, like those lessons are valuable to us because they make us realize, okay, 
don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, you know, even, even the things that I've done that have been huge mistakes, I try not to see them as like a negative stain on my character as much as a, uh, a learning process that I needed to go through to make me into a better person. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about, well, in, in Australia, we call this, uh, the, the tall poppy syndrome, the tall poppy gets cut but in, in the U.S., I think you call it crabs in a bucket. You know what I'm talking hmm. about? Yeah. Yeah. So if go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's when, yeah, like somebody steps out of the homeostasis, somebody starts improving their lives, other people want to drag them down. So oh, yeah. what, <laughs> what happens with that? Um, you know, I, I did have several people break up with me <laughs> um, as a result. And at first... I really bought into that. Well, I'm improving myself. So they don't want to see me succeed. And that's why they're angry with me. Hmm. And over time, I've really taken a different attitude about it. I realized these people had the same, some of the same depressions, anxieties, unhealthy behaviors that I did. And me changing that shined a light to them on what they were going through. And they Hmm. weren't ready for it. And it was uncomfortable. Um, so I try to now, when I look back on this, I was so angry for so long about that, but I found a place now where I'm looking at that going like, gosh, you know, they really had a hard time with what I was doing and I don't, Mm. I'm not angry at them or feeling like they were trying to do something to me specifically. They were acting in self-defense. Now it's not defense of a healthy behavior necessarily, but to them, they were like, I'm going, I need to be validated for the way that I am. And you are not doing that for me. And I see this as a challenge to me or, you know, a slight to me in some way. And I definitely experienced that. I I had people break up with me because they were upset that I wasn't going to be the fat girl in the group anymore. Hmm. And yeah, that's especially like with female friend groups. Um, If there's a girl who's big and she starts to get skinny, some of the other girls don't like it because, you know, you represented something. At least I'm not as fat as Jesse. Oh. And right, right. Oh, oh dear. So when, so when you're not there to be that comparison anymore, um, you know, there, there's a lot of mental uh, loops that they go through. But again, you know, just try to have love for those people because they're they're struggling. And although they might not say the things they say might not be particularly nice to you, um, that comes from their sickness. And um, hopefully at some point they'll go through a moment where they say, okay, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to be this way anymore. And they'll, they'll help themselves out. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know what happens sometimes is perhaps this is worse than, than uh, breaking up with you or ending the friendship where they actually stick around and they still say they're your friend, but they tell you things like, why are you trying to pretend to be something that you're not? Why, mm-hmm. why are you trying to change? This isn't the real you. You're faking or, or things mm-hmm. like this. And what, uh, like, what's the healthy way to respond in that situation? I think the best way to respond, or at least from my perspective, has been to that. I mean, that for me, inspired me to keep going every time somebody (laughs) every time somebody was like yeah we'll see in a year yeah we'll see in six months um because a lot of 
I, I got a lot of that in the form of, um, you know, most people who lose weight gain it back. Oof. And right, right. So here I am standing two and a half, three years out, and I haven't put the weight back on. Mm. And it is that the fear of that inspires me to keep working out and to keep eating right and to, you know, main, maintain my health because, you know, a spite workout is just as good as a regular workout. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, in fact, you can run a little faster, a little harder uh, when you got a little anger in you. So I have um, utilized my anger. I know it's not the healthiest, the healthiest of emotions, but if you're going to mm. have it, you might as well turn it into some kind of productive energy. And yes. if, if it makes you work out 10 minutes longer, then you made something good out of something that would have otherwise been destructive. Right. Yeah, it kind of serves two purposes because you burn off the, the anger and it motivates you as well. So That's right. That's right. I, I scream, like I get a lot of my, what I call my yayas out. I get my yayas out right. when I'm running. Um, so like <laughs> if some girl yeah. said if some girl said some mean thing to me and I'm all just like worked up about it, or even on like if somebody messes with you on Twitter and you get pissed off about it, you, you, I, I talk about it while I'm running and I'm like, Oh yeah, you did, you know, or whatever. And so I burn it, like I burn it out, you know? And then afterward, if, if, if you run a mile and you're still pissed off, like I kudos <laughs> to you because I can't maintain that <laughs> level of energy. <laughs> right are you uh you you still do that now i guess oh yeah uh, oh yeah I'm, yeah i'm of <laughs> italian i'm of italian heritage so <laughs> i have lots and lots of misplaced anger and um i just find find ways to orient it so that it's producing something good for me because i'm not sure. never not gonna have it it's part of my personality i get it from my dad you know like so I was just like, okay, I have this anger, like maybe I can, it, and it is energy, regardless of what, um, where it comes from, or if it's healthy or not, it's energy. So if I can mm. use that energy, um, angry cleaning, oh my God, you clean the house so hard when you're pissed off. <laughs> like I've never, my house is so spotless whenever I'm angry and it's like, okay, yes, you were angry, but you made something productive for yourself. Now your environment is clean. And you're just mm. like, ah, oh, that feels so much better. As opposed to the many, many destructive things we can do with anger or self-loathing or any of those things, just yes. turn it into a, a positive. And if you got to slam some dishes around while you're doing them, you know, get, just get it out of you. That's That energy is more toxic than whatever that person is intending for you or whatever. As long as you turn it into something productive, you did a good thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, it's actually a technique from uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. It's called TIP or TIPP. It's like it's a th three three or four steps. And it's like temperature where you, you feel an extreme of temperature, like heat or cold. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, like, you know, cold is meant to settle you down and, and heat is meant to hype you up. And then do some intense exercise. And then mm -hmm. uh, I think you do some breathing exercises after that. And that, that's, you know, this, this combination, it can be very potent for perking you up or calming you down. Yeah, I definitely um, have only just begun to realize the um, benefits of deep breathing, mm. especially when it comes to dealing with like rage and anger. 
because it's just, you know, if you have an overabundance of that, it's uh, destructive to your health. So mm. any any way you can like breathe that out or work that out, just get it outside of your body because holding it in there is just, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I once heard someone say that the main cause of cancer is anger. And now I don't think that like emotions cause cancer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like you can put yourself in, you lower your immune system, you put yourself into a bad state and you just open yourself up to maladies Yes, because you're, you're, body is in a lowered state. It can't defend itself because it's so busy dealing with the negative emotions that you're trying to like deal with. Your heart rate is accelerated. Your cortisol is accelerated. Just all of the things that cause your body to have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, endocrine or, um, inflammation. Mm. So those are real effects of anger. And, uh, if, if kept up for a long time, can have extremely deleterious effects to your health. Yes. Well, actually, there, there's a fascinating book. It's called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. And uh, she does present the, this idea that every malady is somehow an expression of your mentality or your, your emotional health. And uh, I, I'm not sure if I buy into it completely, but actually, I, I think she's on to something. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it, that's uh, that's a powerful idea. There's a reason that um, they play music for people who are healing from surgical wounds, hmm. and the the hearing music actually helps you heal faster. And there are scientific studies that back this up, and that's why on wards where they have people healing from um, major surgery wounds, they have musicians up there to play bass and play harp because your mental state affects how well you heal. And so that was where I got the idea in the first place to listen to music in the morning. Mm. Because if, you know, I it lowers your cold, uh, cortisol, it lowers your heart rate, it, mm-hmm. you know, makes you take deeper breaths. You know, so I'm not saying this is like a cure-all for everything, but why not set yourself up for success for what you're going to have to deal with anyway? Mm. Yeah, yeah. In terms of, in with the anger, I do wonder if, I mean, in, in a sense that <laughs> the anger is working for you, like you take advantage of, of the anger. But mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if, if uh, there's this risk where you might actually deliberately get angry so you can be motivated when you work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my husband has wondered that aloud to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, yeah. what do you think a better way would be to, to you know, to motivate yourself? So I've noticed that the more that I work out, the less prone I am to anger. Like mm. I've encountered situations over the last, I would say six months to a year, especially where I know before in my unhealthy state, this would have sent me flying into a rage. Mm. And now it just kind of like I giggle at it and I'm like, oh, how silly. Um, and so when you work your physically work your body and tire your muscles out, you just don't have the energy for anger anymore. Hmm. Um, now, granted, I, you know, I'm a pretty angry person. So that that comes to me naturally anyway. And so I just try to when it does come, I try to orient it in a positive way. But hmm. I have found that the more physical exertion that I do, the less prone to anger I become. So it's like, Mm. you just don't have, I don't know if it's because I don't have the energy for it or I have um, different chemicals in my brain 
from the working out, but the level has decreased a great deal. Yes. Well, I imagine it, it, it also expresses itself in, in the way you think about these things is, you know, change your body on the changing your mind. How, how mm-hmm. do you think like in, in the past when, when something bothered you, maybe you were very indignant or, or stubborn or something. And, and now maybe you, you think about it like, well, you know, these, you know, things happen or, <laughs> you know, so, something a lot more receptive to, to whatever events happen. Yeah, I um I started seeing my former self in other people and it made uh-huh. me have more more empathy. Hmm. And I was empath- empathetic to people because I was like, "Oh, I used to be there. I I know what that's like. I know why you're hmm. so angry. I know why you're saying mean things to me because hmm. I used to do that." And so it makes me less um I I don't want to fight back at them so much. I I don't want them to get angrier. Like I know how hard it is like getting yourself worked up so high that it's almost impossible to come down and if i can avoid being responsible for bringing someone up to that level i will do my level best to do that because i don't want you to be there even if you're being mean to me in the moment i don't want you to go there because it's so bad for you so i'll 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 try diffusing situations far more often now than i will escalating them and I have mm. that, I have that, if I have that power, I'm going to try and use it that way. And then, yeah. you know, I've, I've had people who were pitch, pitched angry at me, who I just deescalated the situation a little bit and it completely mm-hmm. changed their attitude. And they were able to have a calm discussion with me. Just, it takes one, you know, it's, it's pride and it's stubbornness. Nobody ever wants to per- be the person who gives a little bit. But mm. there's a lot of strength in being the person who can give a little, get just just bend just a little bit, and you <laughs> won't break so often. Oh yes. <laughs> what what is the most the most miraculous type of of that situation that you've seen where where somebody relaxed so so much that that it's almost unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Um, There's specifically with that, um, if I'm talking about religion. So I used to be an extremely angry, militant atheist. Okay. And I'm not now. (laughs) (laughs) So when I'm talking to an extremely angry, militant atheist, I, again, I kind of know where this person is coming from. I know how deeply they're feeling. And I'll offer them love instead of anger. And if you give a person like a, a secondary path to follow, they'll, mm-hmm. they, a lot of times they will take it. Some people are just bound and determined to be angry at you and you have to let them go through their paces. And it's, you know, it's not personal. It's more about them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times if you offer people another path and you mm-hmm. say, I'm, I'm not your enemy, um, they will take it because most mm-hmm. of us don't want to be in a fight. Uh, fighting fighting is expensive it's it's costly Um, (laughs) yeah as many mafia bosses have said yes yeah absolutely (laughs) i i agree mafia bosses you guys got it (laughs) (laughs) yeah violence is expensive yeah (laughs) right so it's like hey what what can we do to try to find some we don't have to agree with each other let's just find some common ground where we don't hate each other and Mm. if Again, with that, just um, it's really hard for people to bend a little. Um, And you will find 
oftentimes, if you can if you can muster up the strength to bend just a little bit, that person will become putty in your hands. Hmm. And someone who you were otherwise going to have this like enemy level reaction with is someone you can reason with. And it all it takes is just a little bending on your part. And it's yeah. not a sign of weakness to bend. Not right. at all. And in fact, the strongest trees, the trees that grow the tallest are the most malleable ones, the ones that bend in the wind. And the yeah. hard trees, the ones that cannot bend, they can't get very high, not without breaking. Mm-hmm. So there's a lesson to be learned in that. Yeah, it's a very Taoist idea. Huh. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that kind of thing is, is reflected in the Tao Te Ching and the and the uh, Chuang Tzu's works. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or you know, I guess in more in popular consciousness, where uh, Bruce Lee says something like, "Be water, my friend." You know, you put put it yes. in the cup; it becomes the cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my dad growing up, he was like a teenager right in that mid seventies era where Bruce Lee was everything. And mm. so I grew up learning and hearing a lot from Bruce Lee. <laughs> mm, cool. So that's, yeah, that's probably, I didn't even realize uh, into I'm now 38 years old and I'm only now finding out that I was raised with some Taoism. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely has some, some basis in the Chinese philosophy. Right. Well, that's uh well leads me to another question, kind of because it um with these advanced <laughs> emotional abilities and these these communication skills, I wonder if if you just kind of picked all this up by feel, or did you read books and you know watch seminars or things like that? Yeah, um, I I, I didn't not on the emotional side. I kind of developed a lot of this. Um, like I said, my dad was really instrumental in some of this because he has that very much be water attitude. Hmm. And he has been instrumental in sort of talking me through a lot of my negative emotions. So hmm. I, I didn't realize how much of this, I guess, comes from Chinese philosophy. So I'm going to actually like talk to him a little more about that. Right. But just having someone as like a sounding board who, you know, isn't going to escalate your anger or validate your anger is really important. Mm. And um, I am it, so grateful that I had that support system to be able to like, you know, I'm feeling all of this. I don't know what to do with it. And then mm. I was able to kind of um, talk it out with someone who like genuinely cared about my well-being. Mm. And so, yeah, that's, that's community and support structure is extremely important. So whether you're going to get that from like your parents, your friend group, your church, um, I, I don't want to say you can't do it on your own. It's not necessarily what I mean. Just community can be a huge strength when you're working through things because a person left to their own devices can escalate to all sorts of dangerous thinking, toxic thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, find people who want your well being and mm-hmm. those hold on to that community of people because it's, it's so important. And, and, and that's, part of if you're part of a community you're part of that structure for them too Mm. so you need to know that when your friends are coming to you and they're angry 
it may feel very natural to validate their anger. Oh, yeah, she's a bitch. She's the, I'm sorry to me to swear. She's a this. She's <laughs> that. You're totally right for being angry. Okay, right. well, that might not be the case, but it's not gonna, it's not productive. It doesn't help them get anywhere. So, you know, while, while it seems very natural to want to validate our friend's anger, we can also like help them work through why they're feeling that way, as opposed to just agreeing with them. Yes. Um, and that yeah. was helpful for me yeah. with my dad. Yeah, he definitely didn't just agree with every uh, women of anger that I had, he helped me be like, okay, where, where is that coming from inside of you? Why do you feel that way? Mm. And talking it out, it was, that was really, um, invaluable to me. Mm. So like you said, now, now you've, uh, you're that person for others, or you're that part of the, the community for others. Uh, <laughs> have you, I guess you, you've probably done that from, for people a lot of the time, where they come to you with a problem and you start to be their mirror and, you know, mm-hmm. try to mm-hmm. try to show them this, this other perspective of the world. How does it feel to, you know, come full circle? Yeah. Um, I definitely don't want to give the impression that like, you know, I, I am some kind of guru or wise person or have like <laughs> advanced emotional. I still get angry. I still have a really hard time. I still struggle. Sure. Um, I just, I just try to remember what I would want someone to tell me if I were coming to them in that state. Hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want someone to magnify the toxic parts. I would want hmm. them to try to reach the better angels of my nature and try hmm. to pull that out. So what you're saying about being a mirror is really important. Like if somebody comes to you with a problem, you can, all, all you're really there for is to sort of like help them restate their problem to themselves. They already know the solution. 90% of the time, the person knows <laughs> what they need to do. They just need to hear their own words kind of said back to them so that they can yeah. realize it or, or a second set of eyes, you know, can make all the difference. So, you know, don't try to be your friend's therapist because you're not a therapist. You're not qualified to do that. If they need therapy, please encourage them to go get real therapy. But just (laughs) um, if you can, don't magnify the negative parts. Don't join in on the 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 shit talk, as they call it. Like you don't you don't need to, like, um, create more of that in the world. They're already that's already created. Like, what can you do to pull that person away from those negative feelings and those toxic feelings, that's really going to benefit them more than simply validating um, how they feel in the moment. Yes. Yes. It's like, yeah, there can be a lot of friends with good intent to end up being enablers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I actually do think that, um, there's a, there's a very interesting book. It's called The Skilled Helper by Jared Egan. And in a sense, the premise of the book is that anybody can be a therapist or anybody can be in a situation where they need to help somebody explore their emotions and their, mm-hmm. their, their thoughts in the situation. So it's, he, in the introduction, he gives some examples like what if you're a you know a police officer or a nurse or, or something and some somebody comes to you with it with a, a difficult situation in the moment. So he explains this, this framework that people can use or these, these concepts, which is, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating book. Yeah. I, um, I would 
have this, I had this relationship with my sister-in-law where she would get upset at her husband and then she would call me and then she'd tell me all about it. And then I get upset and then I'd be upset at my, hu- at my husband. Oh no. And this, poor, this poor guy didn't do anything. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, your brother, you know, like and so it is a ripple effect. If you are dropping negativity into people's lives, it can ripple and affect other people, completely innocent people who had nothing to do with the negativity in the first place. So like, you know, it's all well and good to like talk with your friends and all that kind of stuff. Just make sure that it's going in a, a healing and positive direction. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's things, things can be contagious. I guess, uh, you know, yes. it's important to be responsible when we give help to people. And also when we seek help, like, <laughs> so yes. we don't call, you know, just dump our stuff on other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, Let's see. What else was I going to ask? Uh, well, when you st- when you did get into this stuff and and uh, you did push it to the extreme, and you said, "Well, that that was what you needed, or at least that that's what you needed at the time." Now, mm-hmm. do you think you you would have done it differently? Like, would you have a, a more balanced or ease yourself into it more, or what do you think? I think knowing the kind of person that I am, there was no other way for me to do it. I had Hmm. to go all the way to the wall with it um, and then taper off and step back from there. Um, If I had taken half measures at the time, I know that I would have slipped back into old habits. So it's a lot like with quitting smoking, for example. Um, A lot of times you get four or five months out from your last cigarette and you think, well, I can just have one. I've been doing so good. Just Hmm. one is not going to hurt. And this is that the just one cigarette is the biggest lie you can tell yourself. (laughs) You can't just have one cigarette. I know you think you can. And maybe even some really like robotic stalwart people can do that. But Hmm. you wouldn't be addicted to the cigarettes in the first place if they weren't like if they didn't have that addictive factor that they changed the chemistry of your brain. So Mm. I did have to go all the way to the wall with it, all the way to the wall with um, fast food was a a big problem for me, convenience food. And I had to cut it off. I've, I've since then, I don't have fast food. I don't have soda. Like I had to cold turkey quit that stuff. And there are a lot of people who can have it in moderation. And I don't fault anyone or look down on anyone for doing for because they're able to do things that I'm not. But for me, I'm not able to do that. And I know that. So, you know, to me, like soda and fast food, it's no different than cigarettes. It's like, I know once I um, break that seal, I'm, I, you know, already allowing myself to go back to negative behaviors. And I, mm. I have to say, hey, okay, this is a toxic behavior. You can't do this anymore. You don't do this anymore. And um, that's um, part of rewiring your thinking a lot of times like with a diet or quitting smoking or anything like that it's not about convincing yourself i can't have this thing anymore it's saying i don't do this thing anymore so like Mm. even if you're not you you know you're still big for example because it took me probably two years to lose the 40 pounds that i've lost Mm. i didn't at, at at when i had lost five pounds i didn't 
have the attitude in my head that when I'm healthy, I'm going to behave this way. I said, I am healthy now, and this is how I behave. Uh-huh. And that was a, a, a different way of thinking that enabled it to stick for me. Because right. it wasn't as though there was some far-flung date where I was going to be able to go back to smoking and going back to eating French fries and going back to drinking soda. I didn't do that anymore. That wasn't who part of my lifestyle anymore. And I had to be like really strict with myself about it. And so, mm. yeah, um, and not everybody has to do that. I did. Yeah. Interesting. Well, there, there's, uh, there's, there's another great book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about, uh, well, in, in his case, and, and uh, this approach is useful for a lot of people, maybe not in your, uh, with your uh, constitution. But, <laughs> but what he describes is like, well, what, if you, what is the smallest part of a habit that you can do? And so he gets right down to, well, you're not even going to run 100 meters. You're just going to put on your running shoes every day. Mm. And, then, mm-hmm. and then that starts to have an effect on your identity because it's like this, this small thing is the thing that a healthy person would do. And so yes. piece by piece, you start seeing yourself as a healthy person. Yeah. Oh, I so agree with that. That's exactly right. You have to have this vision of your head of this is my lifestyle not now. Not that it will be my lifestyle when mm. I'm healthy. This mm. is, I am healthy and this is my lifestyle. Yeah, because this I'm is that, what helps. That kind of person. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, looking back on it now, I'm just, you know, th- this is my lifestyle, but it was also my lifestyle then. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm here. Otherwise, I would still be who I was before. Mm. And so, yes. yeah, changing your thinking, it, it all comes from the mind. All of yes. this comes from your thinking. Yes. Yeah. So at that, uh, well, the, the three years ago, you, you had this, I don't know, this, this uh, passive okay. or, or this, this mentality that, that was like, well, I guess I'm just this, this I guess I'm just unhealthy or I'm, I'm fat mm-hmm. or healthy and any size or whatever it was. And then you went through that, that period of flux where maybe you didn't know yeah, exactly who you were in regards to health or, and, you know, you were open to something new. And, mm-hmm. and now I imagine you have a, a, a different concept of self a, about your health and about other parts of your life. How would you describe it today? Yeah, I've, I had to learn to be kinder to myself. Um, uh-huh. For sure. I, I, I definitely, at first when I was doing this, the weight came off really fast. I, lost the initial 40 pounds that I lost in like a year. And then mm. you hit that you hit that mark with the last 20 pounds and anyone who's been through a weight loss journey can tell you the last 20 to 15 pounds they don't want to come off. Mm. And so I was doing everything right as far as I could see. I was doing everything right and the scale just would not budge. I had hit this plateau. It's like, mm. what am I doing? You know, what am I doing wrong? And so I got super extreme with my calorie counting. I got super extreme with like my working out and became obsessive to the point where, I mean, if someone offered me food that wasn't in my diet, I would become angry with them mm. instead of recognizing that this is just a person offering you some food to be hospitable, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what are you, I can't, I can't eat that. What are you offering that to me for? It's like, <laughs> you know. Maybe your mind is preventing you from, 
you know, so I had to start working on like my mental and spiritual health too. And so as I mean, I wouldn't say that it's resulted in me absolutely reaching my goal. And now I have the body of a model and so on and so forth. That is definitely not true. But what it did do is allow myself to um, like give myself a little bit of a break that like, you know, okay, you know, what you accomplished is amazing. Your health has completely transformed Mm. and you don't have to beat up on yourself that way. Mm. And so now I'm kinder. I'm 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 a lot kinder to myself and in turn it's made me kinder to other people. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to start being kinder to other people until I started with myself. I had to be kind to me first, and that was hard to do. Yes. Well, that is <laughs> that's something that that I noticed so much uh, since somebody pointed that out to me. So, uh it's kind of funny because we don't have we don't normally have this word in English, but it's quite common in Spanish. The word is autoexigente, like self-demanding, or mm. sometimes I say auto-exigent. Auto so uh, it's it's funny because we don't have this word, and so people don't necessarily think about it. They or they say it in the phrase, you know, you're being hard on yourself, uh, right. or you're you're perfectionist, which is you know it's it's a bit more extreme. So because mm-hmm. we don't have this word in English, it does make it difficult to to even notice the tendency. And now that somebody, you know, especially a Spanish speaker pointed it out to me, I do notice it in a lot of people. And I, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is like one of the biggest barriers to happiness because you always yes. you can always demand more of yourself. <laughs> There's no limit to demand. So one of the things that my dad, because my dad is, been like my rock through all of this. One of the things my dad said to me was, um, don't tell yourself anything that you wouldn't tell to a small child who was right. attempting to do that. Yes. So me saying, well, oh, you're a jerk and you're this and you're that, like, would you say that to a little kid? Well, of course right. not. You'd be like, you're doing good. Keep trying. Yes. You know, so <laughs> it if you start to see, like, don't I'm not saying necessarily see yourself as a child, but don't use that kind of like negative self-talk and and beat yourself up in a way that you would never ever treat another human being. Mm. And we, we do some, for some reason we give ourselves permission to just be horrible and abusive to our own selves. And it's, it's not going to help you. It's not going to make you healthier. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like everybody was once a a baby and in a sense, when we're not adults, we're just grown babies so it's mm-hmm. <laughs> still you know still have the, many of the flaws that babies have and still just as deserving of kindness absolutely and if, especially if you're learning to do a new thing mm-hmm. um like for just say you were learning to draw for example and yeah. you're like oh I, I can't quite get this you know you wouldn't you wouldn't tell a little kid oh that's awful why what's <laughs> wrong with you why can't you do it no my goodness you would encourage that person. And so like, hey, you didn't you don't know how to do everything, especially if you're just now starting a, a health journey or like a mental health journey. You're mm-hmm. learning to do new things, new behaviors. It's as, as though you're picking up a pencil for the first time. Of course, you're mm-hmm. not gonna draw perfect circles. Your circles are gonna be all wonky, but they're mm-hmm. better than than the not making circles that you were doing before. <laughs> so, you know, give yourself a break a little bit. Yeah, that's right. And like every 
new journey. It's it's a venture into the unknown. So so I I think it you know it takes courage to do that, and it take takes wherewithal and determination. So so those things are worthy of praise. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. So yeah. Well, uh, we can finish up there. Is uh, of course you want to. Well, you can promote your your podcast, the the mad Ooh. ones. Um, Thank you. Do you want to tell tell us a bit more about it? Yeah. Um, so me and my partner in crime, Cam Harless, we have a show called The Mad Ones. Um, we're on YouTube, uh, Odyssey, and Rockfin. And we do live feeds every Wednesday at 10. Um, our most recent 10 episodes are on YouTube. And then our entire archive is on Rockfin. And right now we're actually sponsoring a free t-shirt contest. So if you subscribe to any of our channels, just send me a screenshot of your subscription screen lit on um, anywhere. You can email it to me. You can send it to me on Twitter. And that's a raffle ticket to win one of our free t-shirts. So for almost no effort at all, all you have to do is subscribe and you might get a free t-shirt out of the deal. So check that out. Um, We're basically, sometimes we address like uh, political or liberty oriented issues, but mostly we're just trying to talk to fun people who are sort of outside the norm. So um, next month we'll be talking to a mortician, which I think is really interesting. We're trying to find one of those people who um, hunts poachers in Africa. Um, So we're just trying to, you know, go off. Are you trying to find someone? So yeah, there's a, a, I I know somebody who does that. Oh, please get me in contact with them. I want to talk to that person. Okay, great. For uh, sure. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Chris from South Africa. He's uh, he's a character. <laughs> I, I imagine you would have to be to do something like that. And yeah. those are the kind of folks we want to get to know. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's ex-French Foreign Legion and... and uh, yeah, he's an intense that's, dude. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find his contact and pass it on to you. So, yeah, you you on Twitter at, at uh, Supercanicist. Is that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Is there any any other wisdom you want to share? Anything else you want to promote or talk about or? Just uh, just be kind to yourself and be kind to other people, um, especially the people who are making you angry because they need the kindness the most. Right. And your entire life will change if you can bend just a little bit. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. A beautiful thought. Thank you for listening there. So it's kind of interesting when I asked that question about well, what resources do you recommend or did you watch, you know, this self-help, self-improvement thing? And Jessica said, well, not not particularly. <laughs> so it was like the motivation, the determination, the decision to improve her life, that was one of the most important things. And when a person does make a decision, when they draw a boundary with themselves or with the world, it does seem like magical things start to happen because once we've decided that we're not going to accept a certain type of behavior from ourselves or from others, suddenly everybody kind of knows it. Everybody can kind of can smell it that uh, that's a, a, a line that should not be crossed. And that is when we, we can start to really improve our lives or at least that's that's one way to go about it so again the podcast the mad ones 
website, wearethemadones.com, and you can check it out on YouTube and Odyssey and Rockfin. This, uh, I had a look at Rockfin. It's another new alternative social media or alternative content publishing platform. Uh, it seems to be based around cryptocurrency. So it me uh, an option for some creators. But the show is... <laughs> I've only listened to a little bit, but what I've heard, it is uh, it, it's it's pretty pretty darn funny. <laughs> have me have me laughing at uh, quite a few points in the episode that uh, that I listened to. So you can check that out, the Mad Ones. Search for it on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you, YouTube, and what else? Well, <laughs> thanks for listening. Remember, if you are going through a stage of your life where you'd like a little bit of extra help, I can help guide you through your own spirit or be a mirror for you as we were talking about in the episode because sometimes we do need somebody to hold up that mirror and not necessarily just repeat your words back to, that can be a part of it, but also start to think one step ahead of you, like what might you be thinking and not entirely realize it. Or might you be assuming or experiencing and not fully be conscious of? So a skilled coach can provide these things for you when you start to uncover these things which are previously unconscious, then you can begin to make deeper and deeper changes because you're you're bringing these things into consciousness and with the divine light of, of consciousness, things do start to transform. So check out beautifulpodcast.com. That is my website. And at the top, it says CBT Sessions. You book a session with me. You can buy a package of 10 sessions with me. So you can make the same kind of commitment, the same kind of decision, a personal boundary that Jessica was describing and move your life into a new era. Most importantly, have a great day.